in just a few minutes, we're going to have a panel with some of our global outreach partners. It's our last week of global outreach celebration. We're going to have a panel with a few of our partners, and we're going to take some questions. If you, have, if you have questions about missions at Mount Hope, global outreach at Mount Hope, this thing we've been talking about for the last few weeks, you can start question, uh, texting your questions anonymously to that number. I, I was really encouraged. First service, we had a whole pile of questions come in from Burlington and Belmont. In fact, far more than we could answer in our panel time. And so um, I'm going to do my best. It's super hard for me. I'm going to do my best to stop talking so that we can get to the panel in just a couple of minutes so we have more time to answer those questions. All right, that's my announcements. As we get into this last week of global outreach, uh, and we've had this time together, and I've loved this time we've had together. I love our community. We started out our time together by celebrating the 40, it's 47 or 48 now, because we realized we missed some in our initial presentation, 48 nations represented at Mount Hope between Burlington and Belmont. Not people that count their heritage back I can count my heritage back to Norway, but I wasn't born there. We're talking about 48 nations where people were born in those nations and now worship at Mount Hope. That's an awesome thing. And I loved, yeah, I I loved watching Grateful and Rebecca light up when we sang that song this morning. And, and, And it's just an amazing thing to have that community. So we started our time together by celebrating that. And then we heard from Jason McLaughlin, who's one of our global outreach partners in Haifa, Israel. Last week, we had the privilege, and and Gene, I really appreciated the message you brought last week to hear from Gene Breitenbach, who is one of our global outreach partners ministering along with his wife, Lynn, uh, on the campuses in Boston, namely Boston University, and and reaching out. And we have other global partners in the room that I'm going to mention in just a moment. But here's the, here's the tension around global outreach. And I feel it every year. I've been in Mount Hope now for 17 or 18 years. Here's the, here's the tension that happens every year and every month when we have our partners share. I think most of us come into church and we're looking for, this is, church is kind of like the gas station for our week. We feel like we go through our week and we deplete ourselves of spiritual energy. And then what we're trying to do is to get into church and then it kind of refills us up and then we can get through the next week. And so we're coming because we want our lives to matter. We want to be a part of things that God is doing in our world. We want to get filled up so that we can go and do things. And sometimes when our global outreach partners come and share, it's really really hard for us to connect the dots and try to figure out, okay, how does what Jason McLaughlin is doing in Haifa, Israel, actually benefit me or help me as I go through my week? Like, how does that add to the significance of my life when I hear about the work Gene is doing? Now, it's great work. It's fantastic work in the city of Boston. And I'm so glad that there are missionaries that go down to the campuses on Boston and preach the gospel because college students need to hear how much God loves them. I'm glad it happens, but it's hard to connect the dots sometimes. And I know there's people, they're like, all right, pastor, it's Global Outreach Month. I'll see you in November. And that's fine. I'll see you in November. Great to have you back in November. But there's this tension. I know it exists. I felt it year after year after year. And so I'm going to take just a couple of minutes here and try to answer the question as best I can. Why does this matter so much to us? Why do we think as your pastors that we should once a month hear from a global outreach partner? That we should once a year, we only have 52 Sundays a year, that we should take three of those and really focus in on this. 
And I'll tell you quite simply, the reason that it matters to us and the reason why we want it to matter to our church is because it mattered to Jesus Christ. And in fact, Jesus, I think, gave us a message telling us that not only should it matter to us, but in that search for purpose and significance, our greatest mission and our greatest purpose and your greatest significance in your life is found by being in and a part of this process. That actually being a part of this is far better than going to church and trying to find some spiritual life hack to get you to lunch on Monday. That if you really want ultimate significance and purpose, then being a part of this process and what God is doing, not only in our own backyard, but around the world, is where true purpose and meaning and significance will be found. And if you've been with us over the last year, you know we've been in the Gospel of Luke. And it just so happens that where we stopped in the Gospel of Luke before we started this global outreach celebration, the next passage is a passage where we see Jesus model this very ministry for us. This idea of some people going around the globe to take the gospel to places, uh, to people who need to hear, and then others staying back and participating. In fact, it's in Luke chapter 10, right in verse 1. Here's what we see Jesus doing. And I'll read this. The verses will be up on the screen, but you're more than welcome to open up your Bible as well and join us. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, say first, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus for, uh, for us sets up a model here that I think is important for us to recognize. Why does this matter for us? Why do we think that you'll find more meaning and purpose and significance by participating in this than you will just getting three points to help you get through, through your week every Sunday? Because Jesus tells us that. And this is what Jesus does. He calls together the crowd. And he said to the crowd, your mission, your mission is to, is to preach the gospel. So the whole crowd, our responsibility, your responsibility, my responsibility is to love the people in our own backyard. That's my job. That's your job. We are to tell people about God. We are to express the love of Christ. We are to let them know that there's a God who loves them and created them, who died on the cross for their sin and who wants a relationship with them. All of us are a part of that. But then Jesus does something significant. He takes out these 72 and he says, you 72 are different. 
You're not just supposed to stay here. You're supposed to go. And I want you to go out ahead of me into these towns and I want you to tell these people that the kingdom of God is near. So Jesus models this for us, that even though we all have this responsibility, that some are called to go. It's always interesting when Jesus chooses in the scripture. He's saying, I choose you 72. I'm not choosing you for this, but hang on, you've got a role too. And he says to those who are left, that's us. Because some of you, some of you, uh, you hear what our missions partners are doing around the world, our global outreach partners, and you hear Jason living in Haifa, Israel. You hear Greg Detweiler, who's sitting in the back there, ministering in and around the city of Boston, and specifically right now working with Afghani refugees as they come into the city. And you say to yourself, I could never do that. I could, I could never move halfway across the world and live in a new culture and tell people the kingdom of God is near. Well, you might be right. You might be right. Now, some of you know that God's calling you to do it and you're not doing it. That's different. But you might be right that God is not calling you to pack up everything you have, leave your job, and move halfway across the world. But he is calling some people. And when God calls people to do it, you and I, who are, who are called to stay and minister in our own backyards, we have a role. And in fact, Jesus gives us two roles in this passage. The first thing that he tells us to do is he tells us to pray and to pray earnestly that God would send laborers out into the harvest. We were at a conference this last week where Selwyn Bodley, who, who heads up missions for our district in the Assemblies of God, which is Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island, he said one of the biggest challenges for our missionaries is that they are over-missioned. And Jesus says the same thing here. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need more laborers sent into the harvest. So you and I are to pray that that would happen. And we're also to help provide. Jesus says, take nothing with you and trust that people will provide. And that is what we do. Got an update a little while ago from Chris and Cindy. Chris and Cindy are some of our global outreach partners. They, they work in a group of islands off the coast of Africa where the islands are almost 100% Muslim. Chris and Cindy have been at work now for, I would say, over a decade. It's been many years. Chris was a chiropractor on the North Shore just outside of Linfield. Had his own chiropractic uh, practice there and God called him to take that skill and use it in other places for God's glory. So you can imagine what this would be like, right? To have your own business, shut it down, fundraise, move to these islands. And Chris and Cindy just said, they said, we now have five people, after all these years, five people who have come to Christ, been discipled in the faith, come through severe persecution for their decision, and are ready to start a church. That's your work. 
you understand? What of greater significance could we put our life into than to have people coming to Christ and being discipled and being willing to go through persecution and then to begin to establish a new expression of the community and the body of Christ in a place where it hasn't existed maybe ever before or at least not in generations? What greater thing could you and I be a part of in pouring our lives into that through prayer and through provision so that those who are called by God can go and do the work. And even as we're loving our family that are far from God, and even though we're loving our neighbors and our coworkers, that we are a part of doing what Jesus Christ is talking about and empowering others to be able to go and say the kingdom of God is near. There's people right here in the room that are doing this right now. I mentioned Greg Detweiler is in the back, one of our global outreach partners. And we're going to hear from some of our global outreach partners in just a second. Greg Detweiler is in the back. Gene Breitenbach, who we heard from last week, is sitting right here. We got a whole middle section. I don't know if you know this. We got a whole middle section back here of people that have moved from around the country to minister on college campuses here in the city of Boston. There's a whole row here of, of folks who have moved from Arkansas. And listen, you think moving from Linfield, Massachusetts to islands off the coast of Africa is a big culture shock? Move from Arkansas to Boston, right? <laughs> trying to talk about culture shock. But we're so glad that you're here to come and proclaim the gospel on Harvard's campus, this group, right? And so God is doing this in our midst and we're a part of it. And this is good work to be a part of. And I know sometimes it's hard to connect the dots when we hear these stories of what people are doing, but this is exactly what Christ has called us to be a part of, building that kingdom. I'm gonna invite uh, Andrew Barbarian, who, who you, you all know, the leader of our young adults ministry here, director of community life is gonna come and he's gonna, he's gonna moderate a panel here for us for just a minute. And Thomas and Cassie Vanderlaan are coming, some of our global outreach partners that also work at Boston University. Would you welcome Thomas and Cassie as they come this morning? So Andrew's going to ask some questions, some that people have texted in and some that, uh, that we, uh, we had thought about ahead of time, because we just want to hear from Thomas and Cassie, what's it like being on the other side? We know yes. it's like being on our side, but what's it like being on the other side uh, and, and doing all of that? But Andrew, I'll right. go ahead and let you take yeah, it. Yeah, so uh, if you have any questions, whether you're, you're watching here, you're watching online, um, and just know that these are questions that are going on in both campuses at the same time. There's a sim similar panel happening in Burlington. Some of the questions we pull from my from over there. And I'm telling you right now, well, there's definitely no chance that we're going to have enough time to cover <laughs> all this stuff. So we may try to put together something after the fact to help answer some of those questions that you guys might continue to have. But I wanted to start off just by asking, uh, actually, Brian might be able to help us out. Uh, just for our church, specifically Mount Hope, what's the process or how do we decide who to support and how to support them? So one of the things that uh, I said we went to this conference, uh, this pastor's conference this week, one of the things we constantly hear from global outreach partners that we support is a couple of things. One, Mount Hope has the toughest <laughs> and most rigorous process in order to be approved as a missionary of any church that we've gone through. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big process. And two, uh, and I, this might not be true for every missions partner, but I hear this a lot that Mount Hope is our largest supporting church. So this is our process. We, are, we have a rigorous process. Uh, we, we 
we put our potential global outreach partners through the ringer, I guess you could say. But when we commit, we're all in. And I love that partnership. Uh, and so uh, missionaries have said to us, we're better at presenting to other churches because we went through your process. Uh, we feel like we have, a better, we have a closer relationship because of that process, but it's not easy. And we prioritize unreached people group. So we shoot for 50% of the, of the dollars that people uh, give to global outreach. 50% of that goes to the, the most unreached people groups uh, in the world, meaning they're people groups and nations where there really isn't a gospel witness at all right now. That's different than the normal church because most churches do 4% uh, towards those groups. We do 50 Awesome. Well, I'd uh, love to hear from Thomas and Cassie about uh, the process for you guys going through uh, and raising support because, uh, you know, you can share, but we don't, uh, especially for this church, like we, the missionaries don't have salaries. They have to go around and raise support. So why don't you just share a little bit about how that process has, has been? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about is there are some things that God tells us to do that we're like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then you do it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think that this works like that. We're, you're like, somebody's like, okay, go and, and at first it sounds like go ask people for money, but really what it is is go find the, the people that God has prepared in advance to be your mission partners, to be with you, so that you know that these people, these churches are, are with you on the field. Uh, they, they're with you in prayer. They care about you. And, and God is building this team. And I think that's a very different, different view than what, what people typically think of when they think of fundraising. That's, the fundraising aspect is, sure, it's part of it, but it's building these relationships that, that are life-sustaining. Um, and I, I, oddly enough, it's not the same thing, but I kind of think of it like Sabbath, where God recharges you and grows you and, and prepares you. And, and so you invest in this thing that, that people are like, why would you do that? But no, this, it's, it's brilliant, and God is amazing, so. Awesome. And about, uh, maybe you can share a little, some of the details about, about how many churches you had to go to to raise that support, or, or how many churches are now currently supporting you, you know, just maybe you'll share a little bit about that. Sure, sure. Uh, I think we were, we were maybe around 20 churches or something like that, but that's our supporting, uh, and, then, and then there are a lot of individuals as well, but um, you make a lot of phone calls, you uh, uh, reach out to a lot of folks, and, uh, and you, you just find out those people that, that God is saying, yeah, the, this, is, this is the relationship that's going to be part of getting you there. And uh, it, there, there's that weird thing, too, of like the tension of, but I want to be on campus, but, but there's something that's really built ahead of time there when you have that and you can lean on that. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When God calls a missionary out, um, he doesn't really give you a blueprint and say, here are the churches and the people who are going to support you. And so, you, so it's, a, it's a one step at a time step of faith to ask people to pray for you and support you and, and help you in the ministry and the special area of ministry that God's called you to do. So it is a, it's a process and it grows, it grows missionaries' faith during that process as well. So I wanted to put that in there. That's great. And, and that helps, I think, for a lot of us. I think there are people here who may be wondering, uh, what does it look like, what does it mean, or what does it look like for me to be called into 
missions. And as we mentioned before, that uh, you know, sharing the gospel is a part of every single person's call, every single person who follows Jesus, but some of us have the special call to, to go. Some of us has a special call to go to a, a new place, a new culture, and bring the gospel there. Uh, and so maybe you can share a little bit about what your call was, hey, when God said, I want you to serve on campus, I want you to, to serve these college students who kind of, you know, some missionaries go to the nations on college campuses, the nations kind of come to you. Uh, so maybe you could share a little bit about that and, and how you kind of view calling. And if there is somebody here who maybe is feeling called, what's something that they can do? How, how can they move forward with that? Yeah, a little bit from my calling. I, I was in, uh, I was at Northeastern uh, University for undergrad and I, it, was, it was the first time that I'd really seen people that really just loved God and loved me and were following God their whole life and it was just, it was obvious. Uh, and, and that meant a lot to me to see people care for me and pour into me because of that and say, I wanna give you what God has given me. And, and that process and that experience of God's love that way was like, oh wow, this is, this is really significant. And, and God at several points in my life had kind of said like, I've given you things and you're meant to pass them on. And so that opportunity arose as well to, to say, oh, you could, I've actually, Gene Breidenbach is in the room right now. I was like, you might want to explore this in your life and say, give, give a chance to campus ministry and see, take a step out. And I think that that piece of saying, if you feel like God is putting something in your heart, find a way to explore it in community and talk to somebody, people that love you and love God that uh, that'd be willing to maybe walk, walk that path a little bit with you and say, pray alongside you and, and, and think about steps that you could pursue one at a time uh, to, to really step out into that and, and, and see that possibility. And um, again, look to the people around you. Look to, I mean, talk to us. We'd love to talk about stuff like that too. I'd love to answer this question as well because it's a, a little bit of a different journey for me. And I would say it's more of, um, for me, it was God wooing me into ministry. So I married a missionary and a minister on purpose. I knew what I was getting into when I signed that piece of paper. And uh, even to this day, I consider myself his biggest supporter in, missionary, in, in ministry. So for the first eight years of our marriage, um, which has only been eight and a half, um, <laughs> I, I worked a corporate job. Uh, and every so often, every few months, I would ask God, what do you have for my life? Where are you calling me? What ministry do you have me doing? And, uh, and he gave me very clear direction that my ministry was in a company, that I was to be God's witness in this company. I was the only Christian there for years. And so... So he confirmed that. Anytime I doubted, I got on my knees and prayed, and he confirmed that through visions that did come true and said, this is where I have you. And that's just his special way that he talk, talks to me. More recently, God called me very directly, you know, Wednesday mornings are mine, and you are to be more, you know, more part of this ministry than you have been in the past. He opened up my free time and gave me more of a desire and a calling to be a Chi Alpha missionary. So I would say the last eight years have been a, a wooing from God and, and from his Holy Spirit as I very often kept asking him, is this what you have for me? And he would tell me in his still small voice and then confirm it in a vision that came true. So however God talks to you, 
is how he talks to you because we're all different and he knows you. He knows your personality um, and he's beautiful that way. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you mentioned prayer. I think uh, it's gonna be, you make it so much more difficult to your, for yourself to discern what God's call, specific call is for your life if you're not spending intentional time in prayer. Uh, it it, it kind of, it, it, that's just the place to go to figure it out. Uh, and so I love that you mentioned that. Uh, we're running up against time here, but I want to kind of uh, close with this. Maybe for the rest of the people who maybe very firmly know that they're not called into ministry, but I'll put this, maybe I'm not called into ministry yet. Because um, like as Brian mentioned, we have partners who for had a career here, and then God just one day calls you and goes. Uh, but for people for this season of life who are not called into ministry, what's the best thing that us as a church can do to support our global outreach partners? I'll go for it. I, just that care and love that, that you, any, any way you can find to do that, imagine it's, it's a, a best friend of yours that's in a, just a, a tough, tough place and, and they're, they're distant relative. They're, they're a little bit out of their element. Think about it like that, because if you can, those encouragements, those prayers that you have for them, and any other, any, any other thing that you would, that really fits a relationship like that, because they are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're in a, in a challenging spot, but doing great stuff. And so those encouragements, speaking words of faith to them, they, they, they want to hear your faith too. And anytime God gives us faith, it is a gift to be shared with others. And so being able to do that is, is a huge thing. So I, sometimes you can be like, oh, they're the minister. They're, they're the missionary. They've got it all together. Their faith is always 100%. They got That's not true. They really appreciate it. And we really appreciate it. I, I say they, it's us too. But yeah, we, we're thankful for it. Every time people encourage us, speak faith into us, we love it. And it's, it's so helpful. And it's, it's what, what the body of Christ is meant to do. It's one of the ways we can do, it, do these things together. Just, I, just like Brian said, missionaries are just regular people that God has called into a different place in ministry. And, uh, and being a missionary, being on campus, uh, doing the work of a missionary can be draining just as much as it can be filling. So your prayers are cherished. Your support is cherished. And your love is so filling. That is the best work that you can do for a missionary. That's awesome. Uh, well, on that note, uh, we're actually going to spend some time uh, as, as we start to bring this service to a close, actually praying for our global outreach partners. So uh, you may have seen them if you walked in uh, through this door here. On the wall, the back wall there, there are some cards uh, for different missionary, uh, different global outreach partners that we support. Uh, there are also cards here spread out along the front of the room. Uh, and so I'm gonna invite you all, all of you guys, to go and find one either from the front or from the back and get into a group of three to four people. Uh, all of these cards uh, have specific prayer requests that that missionary has shared uh, for us to be able to join with them in prayer, this one thing that Jesus asks us to do as the partners. Uh, so share those prayer requests in your little group of three or four, and then have somebody pray for those partners, those missionaries, and the work that God is doing there. Uh, and then we will uh, conclude the service uh, just after that. So go ahead, go ahead, come, come up, grab, grab some cards from the front, grab some cards from the back, get uh, into those groups, and pray.
Father, we lift up to you the work that is happening around the world. God, I pray for our ministry partners this morning who feel weak, God, that you would make them strong. I pray for those who are in need. Father, we trust that you will provide. We pray for those who need leaders to come around them. We pray for those who need their teams to be able to to receive visas and clearance to be able to join them in their nations. God, we pray that you would open up the doors and provide them with great favor. God, thank you for the opportunity to participate in in declaring that the kingdom of God is near. Help us to do it well. In Jesus' name. So a couple of things as we close. Um, If if you are one of our missions partners, would you raise your hand? Because I know I missed a couple. If you're a missionary, if you're a global outreach partner, would you raise your hand? Because I know I missed Nick Huber over here at Boston College. I apologize, Nick. I saw you almost walked out. You almost left. So thank you for not leaving. And Sylvia, you're right in front of me. This is my problem when I start naming names. Sylvia Anthony, who, cre- who started and still runs Sylvia's Haven. She just said to me, I'm 92 years old and I'm still working and running Sylvia's Haven, which is a, a shelter for women and children. Uh, and so God is at work in our, in our midst. Listen, there's this card here, and there's this QR code on the screen that you can use, but there's this card here, and there's a QR code here. In fact, Chuo Nui, who is our, our global outreach director, he actually would love it if we would get a lot of these digitally, but you can also fill out this paper faith promise card. If you've been at Mount Hope for a while, you know what this is. I'm going to do this pretty quickly, but there's boxes in the back. There's a box right back there on the wall. There's a box over there where you could drop these cards in. I love the heart of Mount Hope. I love this church. Last year, in a year that everything should have declined, everything increased when it comes to global outreach at Mount Hope. 94 giving units, so some of those are single adults or some of those are families. 94 giving units gave $166,000 to global outreach. We currently have committed $153,000 a year to our global outreach partners, which meant over the last year we gave out, because we don't build up a fund, we just, it comes in and it goes, we gave out $13,000 in gifts specifically related to open doors through COVID in different nations. So uh, medical relief and food relief and things like that around the world. We now have 47 global outreach partners. We added six new partners over the last year, which is unbelievable. I thank God for that. So I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Some of you will pray, and that's a beautiful thing, just like we just did. That is not a concession. That is a necessity. Jesus said pray. If that's what God is calling you to, then pray and be a partner in prayer. Some of you will give and participate in that. We're praying that the Lord would do even more over this next year. And if you're able to give, I'd invite you to fill this out and just leave it in the box or you can do that online. And there's a couple of other options. One of them is I I commit to participating in outreach to Afghani refugees. The director of that is sitting right in the back. We'd love to hear more about that. Uh, Greg just placed, I mean, this is how God works, right? Greg just placed his first refugee family in and around the city of Boston. And of all the cities, in all the towns in Boston, the Boston area, Greg, what street and what city is that family located on? 
Lexington Street in Belmont. That's what God does. So we're saying, God, do you want us to be a part of, of reaching out to the Afghani refugees that are coming? And God said, I'll answer the question. The first one is right up there. So we're going to be a part of that. If you're interested in that, you can check that one. And I'll, you can read. I'll let you read the rest of the card. But I hope you'll be a part of this.